When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport. Leeds. 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 There we go. One big win in one big game against a potential promotion rival at Ellen Road last week. Bristol City caught off guard thanks to a former player, no less, in Luke Ayling. His second goal of the season, bringing Leeds a second win in five and ever so slightly increasing that gap from the playoffs to the automatic promotion places. The only team in the top seven to win last weekend. Next up it's Reading then it's Middlesbrough we're going to be getting into all of that plus all the juicy gossip all the juicy stories from Leeds United on this the Leeds United fan show with John McKenzie from All Stats aren't we hello John hello mate how are you very good thank you how are you yeah all right you're looking very well very healthy today I need to trim my beard don't I it's getting a bit ah it's all right mate garish we garish. like a bit of garishness here in the studio. <laughs> a bit of gear, I believe. It's just a bit of a bit gear. Gear, yeah. that's lair gear. <laughs> uh, we are joined as well by James Wood. Hello, James. Evening, mate. How's it going? Great to have you on the show. Very good, thank you. And we've got a newbie. We've got a debutant because I did mention that game with Reading up at the weekend. And dare I say it, there is a Reading fan in the studio. Jack Stanley, mm. hello. Hi, good to be here. How are you doing? Great to have you here. Looking forward to an opposition view live right in front of my face, much like uh, Dave XG Anderson, of course. Mm, yeah, that was good fun, that, that uh, episode. It worked well, episode? didn't it? Show, show. We call it an episode, mate. Yeah. Very okay. Netflixy. Yeah, we're new media, aren't we? New media. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, it's all modern. On <laughs> on the pulse here, and you're on the pulse, John, because you have this week's opening stat. I do. Um, this is from from Josh Hobbs, as always. Um, he says, even though uh, Saturday broke an 11 game run without a clean sheet, that was Leeds's 13th uh, clean sheet of the season, and we are still the league leaders in that regard, having kept clean sheets in 39.39 percent of our games. Three nine three nine. Mm. That is what it's all about. That's incredible, really. Eleven games without a clean sheet, yet still the league leaders. Yeah, it's been it's been a weird one, hasn't it? Like it's um, I, mean, I know we talked about Kiko Casilla being the best keeper for twenty one games, and then the worst for ten. It's pretty <laughs> much been the way that Leeds have been as well. Like uh, pretty pretty outstanding for a lot of games, and then uh, dropping off a little bit um, in in recent weeks. But hopefully, and I think weirdly, the the Leeds fans fe- feel quite maybe quietly confident that uh, even with just that one result at the weekend that uh, having Bristol City come and, and create three chances one of which was on target and, and leads to feel as though they were controlling games again which is quite nice so I think I'm feeling a little bit more positive than maybe I was oh yes do you feel safe again rather than I don't being know if unsafe I, feel, I don't know if I feel safe and and, and you know the, the the league is such that it's hard to be 
confident about about any team going up and or, or whatever but i do feel as though if we don't go up it will have probably done enough to have deserved to go up and so that's pretty much all you can do um but do you not think the reason that everyone's feeling more confident is because the individual mistakes errors calamities call you than what you will that have been ruining previous games have stopped happening. Like, if you look at the Wigan game, the Sheffield Wednesday game, these weren't games we played badly. We played really well. It's just individual errors, mainly by the yeah. goalkeeper, <laughs> cause, us to, cause us to lose the game. We play really well against Brentford, and we get a draw even with one of those errors, yeah. and then we play really well against Bristol, and he doesn't make one, and we win. And it's sort of, it's that simple, really. Calvin's back in the side, and if, you know, Kiko can avoid making those kinds of mistakes or get banned, um, <laughs> then we'll be absolutely fine. So... Yeah, and we've said before, you know, there's a stylistic thing here. There's a reason why Leeds um, do generate um, opposition chances that are quite dangerous. The problem is, I think, or has been, that it's felt as though we've conceded all of them and we've generated a lot of chances and we've not been quite so um, efficient up front as we should have been. So, yeah, I think it's there's there's maybe a combination of it being something which is stylistic, but also we've had a really rotten run of luck as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I was feeling necessarily negative in in the dodgy spell but i but at the same time i was also um not feeling particularly great i I think it's just by dint of the fact that you think you know how can a team be so unlucky and it's nice to see um, maybe a little bit more solidity in terms of uh, domination in in the center of the park than, than we've had and obviously that has a lot to do with um calvin phillips being back um, but it also has a lot to do with Stuart Dallas not being in midfield. So I think a combination of those two things and, and, and I'm feeling a little bit more positive about the run of games that we've got coming up. I think it also has to do with the fact, and let's, let's be positive for once, we are a lot better than most, if not all, the other teams <clears throat> in this league. Bristol are supposedly a playoff contender and they were absolutely garbage were they? at the weekend. Were they, they garbage? I, I looked at them and thought they were very poor. Created very little of note, couldn't get on the ball. When they had the ball, they gave it back to us pretty much instantaneously. Like They had one chance of note when Naki Wells had a ball over the top and then smashed it over the bar. Like Yeah, they, they didn't look like creating many chances. It, it looked far more likely that we would win that game 6-0 than that they would get a goal back and draw it one all. Yeah. Okay. In terms of their form, though, I mean, they came into this, what, winning five in six. Are you saying they, they just produced no note of anything? Because we do a Bristol City fan show on yeah. this very station, and I'm already thinking that I'm going to clip up this piece of audio <laughs> and, uh, and play it to the Bristol City fans, because I'm, I'm sure they'd love to hear it. <laughs> I mean, you're more than welcome. To be fair, Like they ha- they've had a good run of form, and they are in a very good position in the league. But I do think that that Bristol City game showed when we play to our full potential and when we cut out those errors you know we are significantly better like that 13 point gap that we had 21 games in that's not a lie that's not there because we were fluking our way to being the top that's where we deserve to be Mm. and the poor run of form as we were saying earlier has been caused by a number of overlapping circumstances but mainly particular significant individual errors that have swung games and if you take those out that gap is going to start re-emerging because the quality gap is what it is there's a big difference between having a poor run of form which is you drop off and and you suddenly don't look like you're going to be winning games but I don't think that really happened I I, I think we did drop off a little bit but not enough to not be deserving to win games and I think that the problem is is that teams go through runs obviously in the Premier League they go through uh, the championship and there's a Freudian slip Um, (laughs) you go through those runs of form and uh, sometimes it's because you've just been you've just been lucky in your finishing, and then things re- regress to a norm. But in our case, we've like in every almost every game in in the in the league, we've created chances enough chances and quality and uh, enough quality chances to to actually win games. And so any loss of form has had to be what what James is talking about, which is mistakes by keepers and not finishing enough, etc. And when you were uh, aggregate all of those together that's kind of what what has caused that that dodgy spell yeah and it's not to say that there aren't times where we go in and we actually do perform badly in it mixed in amongst those poor results i thought against west brom we did well to get a draw i thought against forest we deserved to get beat we looked pretty poor but on the whole we have been quite significantly better than most of the other teams we've played throughout the season mm. okay bamford watch got to ask how did he do what did you think more chances missed. I mean, I'm a bit of a Bamford stan, mainly because I kind of think you know the the gap between 
good Bamford and bad Bamford is probably not as big as as maybe the fan or or bad Bamford and and other strikers. That is should probably be not. that should be a franchise that gets played over the screens <laughs> at the end of every game. You know, you'll have like good, too good or too bad on match of the day too. Bad Bamford and good Bamford. That should be at the end of every game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't I don't think the gap between him playing badly and and maybe the the alternative is always quite so big as the fan base think. For example, the Wigan game where um, Jean Kevin didn't come on. Uh, and the assumption was obviously the counterfactual was well if he had played then he would have he would have scored and, and Leeds would have been fine in that game but we've seen in subsequent games that he's maybe not quite up to speed yet um, as a as a as a player and um, I, I just think you know yeah sure you can blame Bamford all you want but I don't think necessarily a different striker would uh, one be getting as many chances or getting on as many chances but also you know it, it's it's just so much easier to expect that if another striker was playing they would be scoring every chance it's just not going to happen so um, I've always been pro Bamford but I think I mean Jack you were saying um, before we came on air about how Bamford is just is is great off the ball and and is is just a great all-round player so and and that's always been my always been my position I think when you when we see JK come on um, it does feel as though we're a much less dangerous team Um, and that that hasn't changed and that won't change until he's been in the system for, for a little while but yeah, I think as a team that possess a fair few strikers that get into good positions and can't finish them off, having someone like Bamford is obviously incredibly frustrating, but better than someone who's not even in the position to score them in the first place. So I think you're keeping the attack there and stretching defences, which then opens up opportunities for other players as well, which I think in time will hopefully, for, from a Leeds perspective, uh, improve results and, and make sure that you know, you're know you not losing games 1-0, but instead winning them 2-1 or not having the deflected goals at the other end. Hmm. I think the danger of being in, in this sort of scenario is that we, we get into a bit of a bubble where it's just Leeds fans. So I'm always interested to hear what external fans think of of Leeds. So what what what's your uh, um, idea of, uh, or uh, just assessment of what's gone wrong for Leeds being? I think a lot of it is at the minute quite a lot of bad fortune in the recent run of results that you've had obviously seems to be turning around now um last season must have taken a lot of a mental toll on a lot of the players and i think letting an 11 point lead at the top of the championship slip again it's going to be very difficult i think um and i think it's going to be very difficult for players to get over that line um but i think this season there's enough teams as i think was mentioned at the start of the show last weekend one team in the top seven one i think with that continuing, the points accumulated at the start of the season will stand Leeds in good stead. So I think you should be able to get over the line fairly comfortably, I imagine, mm. at the end. I think Brentford might be the only team that would be able to put a consistent run of results together. Mm. But I think you've got through most of the difficult games now. Yeah, I think we've, we've got Fulham, basically, and, and, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. All right, gents. We're going to move on now. In fact, we're going to talk a bit of Reading in a moment or two. But next up on the Leeds United Fan Show, we're going to get into key cake. I'm hoping, I'm hoping one of you can enlighten me as to just what on earth is going on. <laughs> Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. It's the Leeds Fan Show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, joined by John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? James Wood and Reading fan Jack Stanley in the studio too. Just a quick update on the championship. It's currently 0-0 at Pride Park between Derby and Fulham. Nothing of note really going on in that one. Fulham, of course, potential challengers to those automatic promotion spaces. We'll call them potential because they did lose last weekend in rather horrendous circumstances against Barnsley. Breathing life into Barnsley and Luton, of course, getting a win as well in to their hopes of staying in the championship. Of course, Leeds are hoping to get out of it into the Premier League, but they might do that, John, without a goalkeeper. What on earth is going on here? We're hearing that Meslier might be back in for his championship debut tomorrow against Reading. Now, we've been keeping tabs on this over the course of the past few weeks, however long this has been rumbling on for. Now, I was under the impression that this hearing was supposed to be this week and we would have heard the result by now. We haven't heard the result. Marcelo Bielsa has come out and said, I've not actually spoken to Kiko, but I'm sure he's OK. And the impression I get is that he's OK. What's going on? I I mean, I your, your guess is as good as mine. As, as far as I'm aware, the last couple of days, Kiko's been at Wembley for this hearing. Um, and... As far as as far as we know, the reason why he's not playing tomorrow is because he hasn't been training in the last couple of days. Um, other than that, no no idea at all. It could be the case that that maybe the 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 hearing has been had, but the whoever is adjudicating is is taking their time over uh, deciding deciding what happens. So it could be that that's what's dragging it on, but I I don't know. 
This is a, almost like an awkward position, James, that the club are finding themselves in now. Because mm-hmm. if he is found guilty, which he hasn't yet, and we have to continue to, to mention that, that he's not yet been found guilty. This is an alleged case of racial abuse towards Jonathan Lecco of Charlton. But the club have history, have previous this season already, right? There is a fan who was banned, I believe, for some form of racist abuse. And that was reported by a Leeds, a fellow Leeds fan. So... They've got previous so far this season. Where do you stand on this? Or is it almost difficult to comment on because there has been no verdict yet? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to comment without knowing the specifics of the case, uh, without knowing what he is alleged to have said uh, and not knowing uh, sort of what he was intending to do at that time. Obviously, you know, the I think the story that sort of leaked is that he's been speaking Spanish on the pitch to Pablo Hernandez, which is perfectly understandable. Is it a case of you know, cross-cultural misunderstanding at the same time racist language isn't acceptable and he's a player in England and he should know that so um, if he gets banned it's the right answer it's tough isn't it in terms of where the club come or maybe it's not tough maybe they should have a, a very firm standpoint but you know was it a, a misinterpretation from Patrice Evra all those years ago with Luis Suarez and he was banned and Liverpool came out very strongly and actually probably regret that I think Carragher even apologised didn't he to Evra mm-hmm, live did, on yeah. Sky Sports um, where do you stand on this Jack because I guess there's been an issue with Reading and Cardiff this season. There's been a few reports in those games and I think Reading Millwall as well, maybe there was a report in that one. So as a fan of Reading, you've been well aware of this situation this season. Yeah, absolutely. There's been a a few instances of it, notably with uh, Cardiff where there was a lot of afters and the Cardiff owners came out and made a very public statement about the way in which the club had handled it. Obviously, there's absolutely no place for any sort of abuse uh, within football um, and I think that most clubs or indeed all clubs are pretty clear on that and I think that James is right if if there is a ban for Casilla that's the right thing Okay well we'll discover what happens with that one as and when it happens but Meslier if he was to come in of course he played very well against Arsenal in the FA Cup earlier on mm. this season full faith in him doing a job? Yeah they brought in Elia Caprila which indicates that they're happy with Meslier as a backup. Um I think Marcelo Bielsa said he's as good a prospect as he's seen as a goalkeeper and I don't think there's any worry there. I was certainly happy with what I saw against Arsenal and a player coming in looking confident, good on the ball, uh, also comfortable um, in, in those handling situations that I think any Leeds fan is, is always going <laughs> to cast a particularly critical eye over given that Kiko maybe is a little bit more shaky in that area. But I'm, I'd be perfectly happy having him in. Um, and I just hope <laughs> I just hope that the, that the fact that the, the circumstances of him coming in don't add pressure to him because I guess it's it's one thing to play against I mean a lot was made that he played quite a mature game against Arsenal um, but there wasn't a huge amount riding on that game in many respects obviously he doesn't want to mess up he wants to um, he wants to impress as well but I think once once the uh, once you're in, playing in the championship and, and you've had well, Leeds have had the season that they had last season there's really no place to hide so it could be interesting to see how he performs but I'm, I'm pretty confident with him Okay, well, Jack, let's get you in, mate. Let's get you properly involved now because it is the game coming up on Saturday, 3 p.m. at Ellen Road. Reading travelling to Ellen Road. Of course, the previous visit, I think, was smack bang in that that winning run of seven games for Leeds United. Jack Harrison with a late winner at the Medeski earlier on in the campaign. First win in eight last week against Sheffield Wednesday. Perhaps not too difficult because Sheffield Wednesday are in dire straits at the moment. But... What's the crack with the Royals at the moment under Mark Bowen? Yeah, well, it was, um, you know, the clash of the two informed teams at the weekend. Reading, who hadn't had a win in seven, and Sheffield Wednesday, <laughs> who are in a very similar run of form. I think, really, the Reading's difficult run stems mostly from who they've been playing. Two games against Forest, West Brom, Cardiff, Millwall, Bristol, all in and around the playoffs, and we knew it was going to be a difficult run. Uh, following an incredibly successful period over, over Christmas, beating... Preston, Fulham, uh, QPR and Derby 3-0. Um, so I think under Bowen, really, um, since we got rid of Gomez, uh, the team has basically been tougher, tougher to break down, physically tougher, as um, one of the QPR players found out when Miaz Grabwood him in the face and got away with any punishment. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I think that, I think, I think that really that fight is back within Reading. Over the past couple of seasons, it's been a very difficult time to be a Reading fan. Two relegation scraps, two seasons where you think, do the players really care? Are the players really in? Do they have their heart in it? Um, I think a lot has gone on behind the scenes with the owners, uh, with Nigel Howe, to sort of bring the fans back into the club and really reconnect everything. Um, and I think actually a lot of credit still has to go to Jose Gomez for bringing the club together um, after a long period of time under uh, Stan, but also more uh, 
prominently with Clement, where I think there's a lot of detachment around the club. So I think with, with Reading at the minute, a feeling of optimism building towards next season. Under Bowen, I think if you look at the league table with 22 games, we'd be seventh with the second best defence in the league behind Brentford. Um, we've been very solid away from home, haven't conceded three or more goals at all this season, only conceded two on about three or four, two or three, like three occasions, I think it is. Um, so, yeah, solid at the minute. That's as comprehensive as a preview. I think you're going to get, gents. James, your thoughts going into this one? Yeah, well, uh, Jack and I watched the the game at the Majeski together um, and Reading, yeah, had that entire defensive solidity. So three at the back, wing-backs, Rinomota sitting in front of the back three as well. So it was all about soak up the pressure, don't allow the opposition to create good chances, which by and large we didn't. Uh, Use the pace in the team of the wing-backs and the skill of Ajaria behind the front two to break. Um, and given the height in the back three, so both Matt Miazga and Michael Morrison are pretty big guys, create chances from set pieces, which were where the sort of I think the two best chances of that game came from. Morrison header over the bar, and then one which Morrison again I think managed to miss from about six yards out, blazing over from a, a loose ball after a corner. So I'm expecting much of the same uh, tomorrow. To be quite honest, I think it'll be another game very much like the Wigan game and like other games we face for the teams who are going to come. I think for Reading, you'd see a nil-nil as a, a Eleanor is a very good result. Um, and try and nick one on the break and, and avoid conceding early, which yeah. is try and do what Leeds did at, at the Majeski, yeah. pretty much. W- w- yeah. Would you see nil nil as a as a good result? Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely see nil nil <laughs> as a good result. Honestly, it'd be frustrating if we don't pick anything up going forward. But I think that realistically, the game plan that we'll go with will be one to soak up pressure and to keep it as tight as possible for as long as possible. Um, since Miazga's injury, we've switched to the four at the back um, with a very packed midfield. Um, that particularly over the good run around Christmas and New Year really saw us uh, saw us quite well, um, breaking up games that we didn't necessarily dominate. And I think the XG will tell you that actually the run that we had was quite unsustainable and so it proved. Um, but I think we'll probably look to revert to that sort of uh, style of play where we'll probably have Renamota and if he's back, Pele trying to break up the play and then get some of our creative midfielders on the ball going forward. Yeah, it's the sort of game I worry about because I would have thought that the game plan will be, as we've seen in other games like this, Leeds obviously love to play around the the box. We like to move the ball into wide areas and then try and generate overloads. And one of the things that teams who tend to beat us do very well is sort of make that the path of least resistance, like usher the play into the corner areas and then just wait for the ball to come and and cut it out or block it. There's going to be a significant height advantage, so you wouldn't expect, unless there's an absolute worldie of a cross, uh, Pat Bamford to be able to get on the end of any of that. Uh, so it's going to be a sit tight between the, the either side of the 18-yard box and, and prevent the ball coming into that area and then look for somebody to make a mistake as they try to mop up. Yeah, we, we've said we've said this all the way through this season. You know, the the, um, the the style of play that Leeds adopt does leave space in behind and, and when you've got players, particularly I'm thinking Mieta, um, out, out wide, it running into our left back area, which is, has been problematic for us this season. Um, obviously, we've now got Stuart Dallas there, which I think has probably solided it up a little bit. Um, but that's the that's the way to beat Leeds at Allen Road. Sit deep, soak up the pressure, frustrate them, and then and 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 then just commit a few players forward on the counter attack and see if you can um, cause problems with the defence. Um, yeah, it can work. Um, but Leeds will generate more chances. I'm sure um, they'll. Um, they will generate some dangerous chances as well so it's just a case of hoping that you ride your luck on that and then maybe pick something up but that's that's no there's no shame in playing like that I don't think at Ellen Road It's also a question of how the <clears throat> result in the previous game affects the manager and the players going into this one because to be fair I would imagine Reading's game plan will be unchanged and at the Majeski it nearly worked except there was a corner in the 89th minute yeah. and obviously everyone went up and Lee, and it was the only one yeah. of the only chances in the game we'd had to counter-attack and we counter-attacked and it's scored. It's one of the few chances in the season that we'd had to ch- counter-attack and score yeah. and so it was quite nice seeing that. Yeah, so is that going to lead to a sort of a nullification of Reading's attacking threat from set pieces because you don't want to overload in an advanced area and leave yourself exposed at the back to what, when we're given mm. the chance, can be quite a good counter-attacking machine. One of the best away grounds I've always fought, um, Medeski, for away team bundles. Always see a good bundle at the Medeski. <laughs> and it's funny, the Medeski, because when you think about it as a, as a newer ground, which I suppose we don't anymore, 98, was it that that came to be? I think it was 98, yeah. wasn't it? it Late began, 90s. Uh, taking over from Elm Park, but designed at the time and still with a bit of character. I think you see a lot of modern stadiums now that are just a bit naff and a bit samey. Whereas 
I like to think Medeski's still got something about it, but always away team bundles. You always see it at the Medeski. <laughs> it's good because uh, I think for away teams predominantly, they're shooting towards the away fans at the end. So if there are late goals, good bundles always. There's limbs everywhere. <laughs> limbs, there. that's the one. Yaku Mato was mentioned or has been mentioned a couple of times. I'd love to get your verdict on him because seen him a few times this season and he hasn't been particularly prolific until, what, the past month or so, I suppose, can be a bit of an erratic player at times. Uh, yeah, he's very streaky, I think. Um, we played Cardiff three times in seven days and he scored in all three. Hmm. So if we can play Cardiff every week, I think that would do <laughs> him quite well. Um, yeah, he's a very streaky player and I think it's been really difficult for Bowen to figure out exactly what to do with him, whether to play him up top as a target man, particularly with Zhao out injured, or on his best position, I think, out on, out on the right, cutting back in onto his left foot. He has the ability to absolutely smash a ball in from distances, uh, we were 4-0 down at the time, but against Fulham, uh, he managed to pop in an absolute screamer. So I think he's one of those players that when he is on a good run of form, as he currently is, that's something that's really, really dangerous for opposition teams and something that Leeds are going to have to, and probably Dallas is going to have to do a lot with mm. this weekend. I'm interested to hear about your your thoughts on your central midfield. We again before we came on air, I was I was waxing lyrical about them as I have done in the past. Um, I just wondered what you thought your best midfield combination probably was, what you would go for, um, and how that will be different from how Leeds will play at the weekend. Yeah, so I think in an ideal world, um, the, the frustration is with John Swift, who is obviously the most he's the most creative midfielder in the championship, mm-hmm. in as much as he has created more chances than anyone else in the championship. Um, I think he likes to play quite a lot of a deeper role Mm -hmm. where he can then sort of almost act as like a quarterback and spray the ball out from. Um, I think we've got quite a few players. Pele would be another one that would do that at the minute uh, with Rinomota often looking to break up the play um, and and being quite deep in and of himself. So what we, I think, lack in some ways is a good central attacking midfielder, um, Mm -hmm. particularly with Ajaria now playing predominantly on the left wing where he's tearing defences apart, particularly a look at the second goal against Fulham where he cut in, beat a couple of their defenders and then rolls it across for Adam to slot in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that th- those five, uh, and I think they will be the five that will probably play this weekend, uh, will be the the best combination with Mate out on the right and Ajara on the left. It's just how they rotate that midfield three between Pele, Swift and Rinomota. I imagine they will all try and sit quite deep when we don't have the ball. It's who breaks forward and it will probably be one of Pele or Rinomota early doors uh, to sort of be the playmaker with Swift hanging back a little bit to to sort of, on the counter-attack, spray the ball a little bit to the wide areas. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Ajaria this season, especially his transition into being a more attacking player. Because obviously last year, he, I think he was on loan at Rotherham and was playing a more sort of defensive role. And he certainly you know, has the size and the physicality for that. So it's been interesting to see him come further forward. And he was a real handful in the game in the Majeski. So I wouldn't say looking forward to seeing him again, but it's going to be interesting to see him again. It's funny with Ajaria. He gets a lot of flack. So he was on loan with us towards the end of last season. But I think he was at Borough and I think Rangers as well previously to that. And every time there's like a video that goes around on Twitter of him taking out about three or four different players in one move, everyone's like, this is the same Ajaria that was absolutely useless with us and got the huff and didn't actually perform when the chips were down. And with Reading, he's been an absolute sensation. We've got him on an obligation to buy at the end of the season for about £3 million, pounds, yeah, which mad. looks better every single week. Um, and I think that he's someone who... Obviously, there'll be a question as to who comes in if people come in with summer interest I imagine there will be but I would really like to hope that we keep hold of him because he can be a really dangerous attacking player just sometimes a little bit slow in his decision making and I think increasingly um, trying to beat too many players um, and get more Twitter likes you brought in a couple of players over the over January. I know you've got a new director of football, um, who I've, I've I think he's Brazilian. Is that correct? And yeah. uh, I spoke to I've, I've got a couple of friends who who um, follow football in Brazil, and they were very uh, they were very negative about him. Um, they were very negative about Felipe Araruna, who who came in. But there's um, Masika as well, the defender. Uh, is he, is that right? So he um, plays on the wing. Or he play, he's he's only played about five minutes of football for okay. Reading um, against Chef Wednesday. He came off the bench. Uh, apparently looked absolutely rapid. Uh, Araruna, he's had a bit of a tough one. So he came off the bench after about twenty minutes when Gunter got injured against Hull. Played at right back and looked handy. Looked like somebody is going to put in a good shift and put a lot of effort in, even if he's not necessarily the most technically capable mm-hmm. player. Um, and then he made his full league debut in centre midfield at home to West Brom which is probably the most (laughs) difficult place to try and 
come up to speed and up to pace with the championship and I think really, really struggled against some of West Brom's, particularly the likes of Romain Sawyers, who is just going to walk through mm-hmm. particularly uh, not the strongest of players. So I think it's going to take him some time. Looks like someone who's going to put in a lot of effort, very committed, but not necessarily going to be setting the world There's light anytime. Probably going to struggle to break into that central midfield as well, one would think. Yes. Okay, gents, very good preview of that game. We're going to go round the three of you now because we've got to get a prediction. That's what we've got to do. There's going to be a bit of uh, tension, I feel, in the studio. Maybe not. You already said you're happy with a nil-nil. So, Mr Wood, from you, please. Uh, Two-nil goal in each half. Ooh, gritty. To who? To Leeds. <laughs> Did you need to ask? Uh, Mr Stanley, please. Uh, I was having an hour between a 1 or 2 nil win for Leeds. Uh, I think uh, if it's a case of Pam- Patrick Bamford starting, it's maybe a 1-0. If it's anyone else starting, it could be 2. Ooh, it could be 2. Jean Kevin, maybe. John, please. Yeah, I'm going to go 1-0 Leeds. Nice and easy. 1-0. Yeah, Goal scorer? So. I'm going to say someone rogue. Who am I going to say? Hmm, Harrison Harrison there we go because he scored last time out lovely stuff okay (laughs) we're going to get into the Middlesbrough game next we've got all your listener questions coming up too on the Legion United Fan Show on Love Sport Love Sport Radio the station giving fans a voice Yes, it's the Leeds fan show here on Love Spot. Me, Matt Beadle, with the boy band known as Triple J we got John, we got James and we got Jack I reckon you guys could could probably throw a little musical number together a bit bit of harmony Yeah, we do look like the reunion tour, though, don't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely the big reunion. After. I look like yeah. I've been living in the streets a bit. Yeah. James is well on his way to joining me. Yeah, and, and Jack's a little, little bit of stubble there on Jack as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. Jack's the annoying one who at 55 still looks like he did at you know, 19. <laughs> That's the Mark Owen of the group. Triple J is actually a radio station, isn't it? I think it's a radio station based in Australia. It's like really? it's big for like independent independent well, that's musicians. that's what we would be now, yeah. yeah. Independent musicians. Really hipster. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. proper hipster The next here. album's acoustic. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to move on to the game with Middlesbrough now because no win in seven after an emphatic four wins on the bounce under Jonathan Woodgate. What is going on at the Riverside? Interested to hear all about that now from Sam France, freelance sports journal and a big Borough fan. Hello, Sam. Hi, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. Great having you on the line. I did just say there, no win in seven. You had that incredible run over December and into the new year, winning four on the bounce. You started the decade with an away win at Preston. They have the best home record in the championship this season, along with Derby. But that was a great start to life in 2020. It's not been too great since then. It's not, no. And it's um, it's slightly difficult to pin down exactly why. But uh, I mean, performances in recent weeks have been... I mean, fairly bleak to say the last, uh, say the least. Sorry, um, last two games against Wigan and uh, Luton, two of the bottom three, taken one point from it. Next up against Barnsley on Saturday before we play Leeds in the week. Um, and I think if there isn't, I think it has to be a win there, or things are going to get pretty nasty ahead of the game on Wednesday. Hi Sam, just wondering. I'm looking at the, the the tactics that that Woodgate's played in the in the poor run of form that they've had, and he he just strikes me as being a bit of a tweaky manager. It seems as though he changes things and thinks that the solution to problems is to is to change up a formation uh, and see see what what he's going to go with and see if it makes a difference. Uh, would you agree with that? And in light of that, do you have any sense of what he'll do when he uh, faces Leeds? Um, I mean, there have been there have been a few tweaks here and there. I think for the most part, over the last couple of months, the sort of general structure of the team has been fairly consistent. Um, the back three generally featuring Johnny Housen in there, two young wing backs in in Hayden Coulson and Jed Spence, who've both come in and done very well this season. Um, and then more recently, it's been sort of midfield three and two forwards up ahead, and I'd I'd expect it to be something along those lines. Um, the Wigan game recently, it was I didn't see the game, but I heard it was more of a back four that we played with uh, Ravel Morrison coming in, making his first start, or first opinion, sorry. Um, I'd, I'd be expecting him to stick with the five at the back formation. It's, that was what sort of propelled us through that, that run of, of four and a bounce at the end of last year. I think he believes, I think Woodgate does believe that's the direction to go in. I think he believes in that, he believes in the players, but Having seen our performance against Luton at the weekend, it was absolutely diabolical. Yeah. And I mean, during that game, he did make some changes of the system, and they were baffling, honestly. I mean, 
struggling for possession during the game, struggling to make chances, and off came a wing back, off came a midfielder, and he just put four up front. And we created maybe one chance the last 20 minutes. It was absolutely bizarre. We made I a... think, no, I, think ahead, I think fans are sorry. I think I think fans are starting to get a little bit concerned with Woodgate now. Mm. We we made a big thing about Johnny Howson being played as a right centre back in a back three, um, and all these months later, it's happening still. Um, how do you feel about that? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I mean, honestly, it- it's a cliche to say it, but I, I think he could play anywhere on the pitch. He's just, he's Mr. Consistent. He's doing a wonderful job. I don't think Woodgate would like to have him there. There's been sort of a succession of injuries. Um, we just had a couple of players come back in Ryan Schott and George Friend, who could both feature at the weekend. But uh, Dale Fry, young centre-back, has now been ruled out. Daniel Ayala, friend to all at Leeds United, <laughs> also likely to miss out. Um it's he's been there out of necessity, uh, out of necessity rather than out of choice, I think. But he's done, he's done an excellent job for the most part. Hi, Sam. It's James here. Um, how do you think the squad is doing at the minute? Is it performing well or underperforming? Because at the minute, this is largely, as far as I can see, the same team that Tony Pulis had up challenging for the auto promotion spots at the start of last season. We all remember the the nil nil at Ellen Road that was was a sort of a top of the table clash. You know, has the competitiveness gone? Are they being deployed in the wrong way by the manager? Obviously, there was a bit of a dying away last season under Pulis. What's what's happening? It's slightly difficult to say exactly what it is. I think, um, in fairness, the, I think we were perhaps overperforming to an extent at the start of the season under Pulis, and once things went downhill after Christmas, I think that was maybe a more fair reflection of where we were at the time. Um, I mean, this season, the players that have been brought in have all, all been, for our young players, a lot of them have come from, not three signings from lower league. We've had low knees coming from the Premier League. So it's slightly hard to judge exactly where we should be at. Because, I mean, we've got top quality championship players with, you know, like Sam Belonga, Johnny House and so out of the squad. But I have been sort of riddled with injuries throughout the year as well. That's not helped. Um Really, in all parts of the pitch, really. Um, Fair enough. But, in, yeah, it is. In terms, of, is, in terms yeah. of your transfer business, are you are you regretting letting Martin Braithwaite go, who was obviously uh, <laughs> on to bigger and better things in La Liga? Honestly, I mean, if you'd said in January that we could have had one of Martin Braithwaite or Leeds United favourite Martin uh, Patrick Bamford back for the second half of the season, over the two, it would have been Bamford that I would take. <laughs> Actually, on that note then, let's get your perspective on, on Pat Bamford because we seem to ask anybody that wants to listen about Patrick Bamford. He is the hot topic. The Patrick Bamford that you saw at Middlesbrough that you know threw in a fair few goals that season. The Patrick Bamford now at Leeds United, how do you compare the two? And when he does get criticised, are you like, yeah, do you know what, we actually saw that? Or are you very much in the, the Patrick Bamford defending camp? Well, as I don't know whether John would have mentioned or not, but I'm absolutely not the right person to ask. I cannot be objective on this <laughs> Go situation. On. I am the largest Patrick Bamford fan in the world. <laughs> I would have I would have the man back in a heartbeat, and it's been it's been horrible to see him struggling at times. I mean, we always knew he wasn't the perfect striker. I think I think if you go back to his first season with Middlesbrough back in fourteen fifteen, you could probably dig out a tweet of mine that said. Mark my words, Patrick Bamford will score 20 goals for England. 
And that's not quite that's not quite come to pass. Not sure. It has. Um, and it was it it genuinely did seem truly bizarre when we sold him because he was in the form of his life. He seemed as complete a championship striker as I've seen at Middlesbrough. But um, I suppose perhaps there were always some underlying underlying weaknesses in his game, maybe that that have come out. A little bit more at Leeds. Well, I've been surprised at how hard he's found goals to come by this season. Okay, Sam, just to finish, it's been great having you on the line. Realistically, you're on 37 points, of course, six points outside of those relegation places. Do you see that Middlesbrough are in a relegation scrap or do you think you're safe this season? Oh, we absolutely are. Um, I mean, honestly, this weekend, if we lose that, even if we draw that, then I think it is. It's a concerning situation to be in, especially with Leeds after that, which I'll go up on record as saying I do not think we're going to win um, I think it is a relegation scrap I think that's how the players need to be treating it now and I mean we've got a very young squad this could be the horrible season that brings them all together and next season we can kick on from there that's I think the best we can hope for for now Sam thank you very much for joining us Sam France they're freelance sports journalist and a big Borough fan. He believes they are very much in a relegation scrap, but he is a massive fan of Patrick Bamford. So there you go, gents. There is one out there. Maybe John McKenzie can join him on that one. <laughs> Next up, it's the listeners' questions. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. It is the Leeds Fan Show here on Love Sport. You won't be surprised to hear that the Patrick Bamford debate did continue during <laughs> the ads. I'm going to be dreaming of Patrick Bamford. It's the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning. Never stop talking about Patrick Bamford. But we are now, actually, we're probably not. There is a question about Patrick Bamford <laughs> because it is time for the listeners' questions brought to you by Triple J's first ever hit. <laughs> Okay, listeners' questions, John. Something a little different. We supposed this to week. sing over. We supposed to add. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for you to all break out into song. <laughs> Didn't do it. Uh, first question is from James Hull. Now, gents, do you think Bielsa will leave, even if we go up? Crikey, Paris! The thought he will have achieved his objective and can probably do without the increased intention, or increased attention. Sorry, of the Premier League, John. Um, I mean, it's it's Bielsa, so never say never. Um, I suspect he'd, he'd quite enjoy taking Leeds back into the Premier League for a season, but stranger things have happened. He's been at Lazio for whatever it was, 72 hours. So, yeah, <laughs> who knows? I, I, the, I think the, thing, the important thing with, with Bielsa is um, he is a very... I, I want to say loyal. I don't know if that's the right word, but he's he feels very um, he he takes very seriously the notion of, of agreements. So if he feels as though something has been offered and hasn't been uh, attained in between, because he'll have to obviously tweak his um, contract a little bit. So it, that will be what would be the thing that put pushed him away rather than anything else. I don't think so. No, I think both the opportunity to manage in the Premier League is a, is a huge one for him and I think that he's got a very significant attachment to the club now I think we're by the end of the season he'll have managed more Leeds games than any other club in his career which I think is a huge thing for both us and for him but also some of the long term changes that are being made so the new training ground is being built according to a specification he's provided uh, the investments that have already been made some of the younger players he's signed like Paveda, Caprile who uh, clearly he sees something in them going forward so no I wouldn't have thought um, he'd go after that I think if we get a good mid-table finish in the Premier League next season he'll sort of see it as got them up got them stabilised job done time for yeah. somebody else to come over um, but no I wouldn't have thought that he's gone no matter what at the end of the season OK moving on to the next one from LUFC Meal Deal 1 brilliant brilliant <laughs> Names what, is, what is in the brilliant. LUFC Meal Deal I know what do you reckon apparently it's it's <laughs> a, a famous thing It's it was one of the things that was offered at Elland Road I believe um, for oh, okay, a, for so you had a choice of like one, two, yeah, three, yeah, or yeah. something. And so that that is a hat tip back to a, a future, a previous generation. So like of, a hot dog, fries, or yeah, a pie and no fries idea what with, was a, in it, with a drink. I'm sure, I'm sure uh, he'll be in touch. Okay. And we'll let oh, us let us know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a starter one. of hope and joy with a side of disappointment <laughs> like last season. <laughs> uh, it's the pie that falls apart towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good pies at the Medeski. Very good yeah. pies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Right, do they do a good meal deal though? That's the question. Easy to get a pie. Majeski when they've got no fans Ooh. Ooh. it's taken us 48 minutes but finally a swipe a finally a swipe from James Wood 6 minutes against Brentford 
<laughs> right. Are Leeds' games less open than others, John? Are we really having to make our way through packed boxes than others? If so, is it because we're slower in the transition or are teams more conservative in getting players forward? Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot to unpack in there, isn't there? Um, one of my favourite topics is talking about is, is talking about transitions because I think the 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 majority of Leeds fans think that the the quicker a transition, the better. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that tr- transitions are transitions, and, and there's certain things that you want to achieve with a transition, and that isn't always getting a shot away at the end. It, it, I mean, obviously, eventually that is, but it's not, a, it's not a case of trying to get down the field as quickly as possible and then taking a shot. It's about, potentially in, in the case, uh, Leeds' case, it's about um, retaining possession, getting the ball into areas where you can then um, uh, start an attack from. So um, that's that's one thing to say. So I'd, Yeah, maybe we are slower in transition sometimes, but I don't think all, all the time. I think, it, again, that part of Bielsa's system is trying to get the players to do the right thing in the right situation. So that might be a quicker transition as we saw against Reading um, in the first game in, in, in the in the away fixture where Leeds broke at speed and, and got the goal quite very, very quickly. Um, the other thing I would say is um, in terms of getting through packed boxes, well, you know, there's not really much you can do if a opposition sits deep against you. You can't, you can't force an opposition out, really. You, you can play the ball back and hope that they'll decompress as a, as a team um, but if they're if they're committed to having a, a two banks of four bank of four or five there's not really much he can do which is why often Leeds will have so much possession because a lot of teams are just letting them have the ball if that's the case there's not nothing really you can do about that uh, and and in that scenario the transition isn't really important because they are just letting you um, as James was saying they, they often teams will just let us get into the areas where we start our attacks from uh, and and there's no resistance at all. So I would say you've got to think of those things uh, when you, when you're answering that kind of question. So I don't think there's really much we can do about it. That's just the way teams are going to play against us. Yeah, and I think it's two things, isn't it? It's first of all, given the, the Bielsa method, which is we play the same game plan every game regardless of the opposition, it's easy to forget that other cl- managers and other clubs do go, who are we playing this week? Therefore, what are we going to do? They attack adapt their tactics to who they're playing and I, I would have absolutely thought as middle the Middlesbrough fan we just had on was saying yeah they're going to go for a win at Barnsley on the weekend but then midweek they'll set up to defend and not concede and try and get a nil-nil because a win at Barnsley and a, a home draw to us would be a very good set of results for them whereas we're saying well we want to win every game and we want to do it by uh, a couple of goals um, so I, I do think that's one of the big things I think the other thing is the nature of the games we have and when we te- we have a, there's an odd thing where when we control games more, and I'm not sure if this was one of your stats, John. The um, when the percentage possession we have is like over 68% or so, our results and our uh, points per game goes down drastically because we simply have so much of the ball. It's really easy to sit around thinking, well, what are we going to do with it, and not actually be forced into doing something. So that kind of strategy of packing everybody in and just saying, have the ball have it in the corner flag and we'll head away the ball when you cross it is actually a fairly effective one and that's mm. why that's the kind of game plan against which we've lost the most games. Yeah. If you do that you're not going to you're not you're less likely to score but you are more likely to win against Leeds. Well not more likely to win but it's your best chance of winning against Leeds. So give the opposition the, the ball and and the hope that you can catch them on the break. Okay, I have to mention at this juncture that only on the Leeds United fan show will you hear the following sentence. One of my favourite <laughs> things about talking is transitions. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. I love talking about transitions. Only from John McKenzie. Next up, Jim Barry. It might be difficult to back up with stats, but has the three-game ban done Calvin Phillips the world of good? Despite being second and looking probably the best team, it seems even slightly more rotation would help James. I think it definitely has done him the power of good to be out the team. Certainly, it seems that he's come back in mentally refreshed, physically refreshed. And yeah, I can see the argument to say, well, if you rotate more, then all the players will gain that kind of benefit. At the same time, the entire purpose of a Bielsa team is that it's every player has a part in in a hole that is greater than themselves. And we can see that's true by how the same squad performed the year before Bielsa arrived. So if you are going to be playing a system that relies on players being able to sort of almost subconsciously repeat the same actions time after time after time, it does help if it's the same player doing that rather than needing multiple players in a squad to be up to that level of performance. And it also is, is with Bielsa's 
preference for a smaller squad, it isn't like the depth is actually there to do effective rotation. Mm. And even in the championship, with finances being what they are, it's very difficult to maintain a squad of sufficient size while keeping the quality throughout that depth. It's like we could change somebody out for Jordan Stevens, say, or Robbie Gotts, but they are not going to be as good as, as Matt Click or Pablo Hernandez. Mm. So why would you do it? Yeah, we, we, you can say rotation all you like. Of course, it's going to be good to have like Calvin Phillips having a three-game break in the middle of the season. The problem was is that we, we, we struggled in those games precisely because we only have one player who can play that position. So it's not even like we are able to rotate anyway. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. All right, Matthew Keegan's Wood. I did say there was going to be some more Patrick Bamford chat. We haven't got too long left, so we'll rifle through these last few. He has asked, do the XG stats, John, go back to Pat's Borough season? It was his best scoring season so far, and he should beat it this season. But should he have scored more? Um, yeah, I did a bit of number crunching, and uh, what I found was that in that season, um, Patrick Bamford scored 12 goals, and his XG was he had an, an XG figure of nine, so he overperformed his um, uh, XG by three goals, which is very different from what he's doing this season. This season, he's about eight goals under his XG, um, and so yeah, this is why this is why it's so hard to really judge what what's going on with Pat Bamford because. This is this is like historic levels of underperformance. You you will rarely see any striker in any professional division underperforming in quite the way that he's doing this season, which makes the conversations about him so complicated. Because usually you'd say, well, there'll be some kind of regression to the norm. You'll expect him to pick up at, at some point in the season, and it just hasn't happened. Jack, I'm going to bring you back in here. I don't know whether I've already asked you this question. We've spoken about him so much. <laughs> Would you take Patrick Bamford at Reading? No. <laughs> and I don't think that many uh, teams in the championship would say this guy should be starting week in, week out for us. I think, yes, his off-the-ball movement is excellent uh, and clearly works well for Leeds. But I think that if you're a team, particularly mid-table or lower table in the championship, you need someone who's going to score. And I think even if you look at, say, a Lyle Taylor-type figure for Charlton, I think probably a better option for most teams than Patrick Bamford, albeit he gets fewer chances, he, scores, he tends to score the ones he gets. See, I I really disagree with that because I think it's very easy to look at Bamford and say, well, he isn't putting the ball in the back of the net. But what he is doing in terms of creating chances for the team and allowing the team to be dominant and, and have more opportunities to score is very significant. So I think, yeah, it's easy to say, well, compared to like Pushkas or Mete, mm. um, he wouldn't put the ball in the net as much. But if you have Bamford in the team, it's likely that other players like Ajaria, like Swift, will have more chances to score and you will do better. If, and, but it's, it's very difficult to, to make that rationalisation for someone who is a centre-forward whose primary job is to score goals. And uh, the other thing I would add is that a lot of people expect Patrick Bamford to be an elite finisher. He doesn't need to be an elite finisher. He could just be an average finisher and we would still be way ahead of where we are now. We would be, we'd have scored eight goals more than we have. Um, most good strikers are, are, are overperforming their XG. He's not. If he hit the average, we'd be fine. Okay, gents, sadly, we've come to the end. And as always, we finish on a Patrick Bamford note, as we always seem to do, gentlemen. Will he start at the weekend? Of course he will. Will Jean-Kevin or Gostin be on the bench? Of course he will. We'll have all the reaction to the games against Reading and Middlesbrough next week on the Leeds United Fan Show. James, thank you. Thanks so much, mate. Jack, thank you. Thank you very much. And John McKenzie, thank you. You're most welcome. We'll see you next Friday at 8pm. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.